Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Improving Accessibility in Provider Settings. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on February 21, 2018. In this podcast, Gabriel Uribe, Independent Living and Diversity Services Manager at Inland Empire Health Plan, provides an overview of Inland Empire Health Plan's Accessible Clinics Project and its results. So, yes, we at Inland Empire Health Plan, we uh, are very excited to, to share some of the results of our accessible clinics project that we led uh, or have been leading for the last couple of years. Uh, if we can go to the next slide, please. Um, the project started uh, kind of as a result of some of the things that Sonia, Pat, and Van identified in their presentations of some of the barriers that are existing for people with disabilities. Um, in California, we, we are uh, grateful to have a, 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 uh, a couple of the health plans that are uh, interested in doing some uh, good work in this area, and also uh, have a strong department of, of healthcare services at the state level that um, has allowed us to kind of lay the groundwork to identify uh, our clinic sites' uh, accessibility features um, through a statewide um, physical accessibility review survey campaign. Um, that is required of all the health plans in, in the state. Um, and basically what, what that does, uh, the, the PARS uh, accessibility review, it allows health plans to go in into different provider offices in a non-punitive fashion and uh, look at some of the uh, accessible features that are within the clinic, some of the improvements that can be done, and similar to Pat and Van's strategy, share with the organizations, um, you know, the feedback and say, hey, you know, if you want to look at certain things in the future to improve your accessibility, th these are some of the things that uh, you could do. Uh, if we can go to the next slide. Um, leveraging that data, uh, we decided to look at our network and um, see what were some of the uh, deficiencies uh, or gaps uh, for our communities that uh, required access to care. And uh, we leveraged the different, uh, different variables within the data um, and identified uh, different uh, clinics in the area that had adequate accessible features as far as entry, um, as far as some accessible equipment, existing equipment within the clinics. And we identified um, a large group of areas uh, that, that we can go ahead and uh, provide um, accessible equipment to. So we decided to provide two things that we thought would make a, a, a big difference. And that was an accessible exam table and also weight scales and uh, accessible weight scales and exam table weight scale combos. Uh, next slide, please. And we set it up in a way that uh, we looked at the region. We have a pretty vast region. We serve about two counties. And we looked at the time and distance uh, uh, that it would take for, for our members to get to certain geographic areas. We looked at the existing equipment in the area. And we decided to provide grants to about 100 providers in the area uh, who could utilize the accessible tables or the accessible um, uh, scales. And um, you know, after identifying the different uh, the different areas of opportunity, we went ahead and, and sent out a uh, a call to action, basically, to or a application process to all of our provider network, and said that we were uh, making this program available to all of them. Uh, next slide, please. So we developed a 
application that looked at a couple of things for each provider. Uh, we looked at their existing building accessibility. We looked at the current medical equipment that they had. Uh, we also addressed training and their training needs. Um, and we also looked at uh, the types of services that they provided. Um, so uh, as a managed care provider, we contract with specialists and also with primary care. Um, and the needs of each site are different. Um, so, uh, you know, as we reached out to the organization or to our provider network, uh, they were able to provide um, details um, further uh, to, to further help us make a decision on, on an award. Uh, next slide, please. So the criteria that we utilized to prioritize the provider sites that we would award um, was, like I mentioned, the PARS data that we take from the from the state. Uh, the geographical information as we laid out the, um, the locations of the different uh, sites and facilities and the specialty work. Uh, next slide, please. So after looking at, those, at, at the different areas of uh, need, um, we you know, decided on awarding about 100 of these uh, uh, devices. And we also uh, realized that we needed to do as an organization or to have an investment in the educational component of, uh, of the, uh, the piece of the project that, that we were doing. So we're awarding equipment, but we also need to provide the organizations with um, the how-tos on how to utilize the equipment properly, what some of the equipment features uh, will allow them to do as far as preventative care, and, and also how to avoid um, uh, injury to the individuals who are involved in providing the care utilizing the equipment. Uh, we also took the opportunity to discuss with the organization or the provider sites, um, you know, more on the different accessibility components that the health plan uh, had built into its programs. Uh, issues uh, related to cultural competency, um, also some of the senior and disability community resource linkages that uh, the health plan had established, uh, and so on and so forth. We can go to the next slide, please. So prior to the Accessibility Clinics project, um, we only had about 19 providers that had access to uh, accessible exam tables in our area or accessible scales. Um, after the Accessible Clinics project, the number uh, went up to about 119, which represents about 5% of, um, of our provider uh, network. And about uh, 50 or more of those uh, tables went into areas where we had concentrations of members uh, who, have, who are seniors and persons with disabilities um, at over the population of 1,500 or more. Next slide. Some of the things that we learned from the Accessible Clinics Project is that, um, you know, Providers are more likely to participate in projects or programs when they're incentivized to uh, be a participant. And um, by awarding a, a, a table or a, a weight scale, um, we realized as an organization that we were not just also supporting IEHP members, but we were supporting an entire practices um, uh, patient um, experience. And um, one of the things that, that after the project we realized that uh, perhaps it might be a good idea to leverage different health plan uh, relationships to, um, you know, see where, where some of these facilities are uh, getting some of this equipment, um, perhaps work together in, in different communities where you have multiple health plans 
uh, to coordinate, you know, the awards of, 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 of equipment if that is something that other health plans would be interested and, you know, in turn provide a greater coverage of accessible devices across the network. Uh, next slide, please. So our next steps after looking at, at the accessible uh, clinics project is, uh, as a health plan, is of course to continue looking at some of the resources that we may leverage in the future to provide further accessible equipment to different clinics, but also to look internally and look at our health plan services, um, starting with our health education program and ensuring that our health education programs are also hand, uh, led um, in how that physical, physically accessible facilities or utilizing uh, curriculum that is accessible um, and also anything that's related to virtual programs um, that we may put on our website or do online, that those are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Additionally, as we look at other health plan features like uh, accessible mobile apps, uh, in the age now that a lot of our uh, uh, business has moved online, uh, to ensure that individuals with disabilities can utilize those mobile apps, utilizing some of the um, the um, uh, different types of software that might allow people to uh, have access to services. Um, also, as we look into virtual primary care visits, uh, so things like doctors on demand and things of that nature to ensure that individuals who are deaf or hard of hearing can access those services um, along with some of the multimedia content that, that the plan may push out. Um, so when we look at accessibility across the board, we, we started with accessible clinics but we understand that the scope of services or, or what clinics are doing in general is um, not only now taking place in the traditional um, clinic setting, it's also uh, moving on into the web. So we want to make sure that in the future we, we address that as well. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare-Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes a full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.